In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships, sans the sleaze factor, while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being with us this evening. Tonight, I get to talk about something that's slightly on the side of what most people would think about sexuality. It is passion. And my guest this evening is going to be someone that I have known since my teenage years who has truly followed their passion in a way that was outside of the norm of where we were both raised. And her life has literally followed this quest to find the things that fulfilled her on a personal level, on a soul level, on a family level. And her first book, uh, because I know she's written numerous screenplays because I've read some of them, her first book is entitled Inside the Wall. And if you are someone who is interested in following any type of personal you know, search, personal quest, this may very well be a book for you to look at. The subtitle of it actually, I think, tells you more than the actual title. The subtitle is From Hollywood to Homeless to Higher Consciousness with an Avatar. And the gentleman who is the avatar made the comment that this book is a book in his mind that is better than autobiography of a yogi to guide people who are seeking their quest and their enlightenment. Now, Megan, I believe that you are on with me right now. (laughs) Hello. Hello, honey. (laughs) So how does that sound like you? How do I follow that? (laughs) I'm sitting here in the Canadian Rockies going, golly. (laughs) Now, I think that our listeners have to know You and I grew up in Western Canada in a very conservative environment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we look like the California girls. Yes. But we kind of, like, aren't. And so for anyone who may have a question for Megan or for myself during the show, the call-in number is 877-864-4444. 
877-864-4869. Repeating again, 877-864-4869. And when, Megan, when you were first writing Inside the Wall, mm-hmm. I remember when you sent me the initial copy of it. Right. And it was like, wow, this is, this is your life in this book. And then your life took on more until the book was completed. That's right. I, I actually thought the book was done when I was mm-hmm. writing it in 2007 because it was about you know, going to Helen back in California, basically. And I workshopped it. I had an agent. Everything was rolling along. And it was like there was this nagging feeling that I hadn't really wrapped it up or I hadn't explained why all this crap happened to me. <laughs> and, and then literally... <laughs> I had sort of made a promise to the universe that I would make sure my son had grown up and was safe. I was an only parent. And so I thought, okay, I'll put my life on hold, make sure he has everything he needs, and when he doesn't need me anymore, I'll get back on my quest. And literally, he, you know, graduated high school, great kid, no problems, decided he wanted to go have the kind of adventures I had had. So I... I loaded him onto a plane, and he wanted to go walk and hitchhike from his birthplace, Encinitas, California, down through South America. And I put him on the plane, and two days later, I get this call from India going, this avatar has heard about you. He wants you to write from How fast can you get here? I was like, Irk. <laughs> Now, okay, so we jumped. We're, we're kind of like doing the film where it shows all the completion of everything. Right. I want you to explain to people. Now, here's, as I said, I love people who follow their passion and who follow their heart and their intuition. Right. And, Megan, I've watched you follow your heart about writing, follow your passion. And truly, what is your passion and your heart other than that which manifests sexually? Right. And you and I... You know, we both remember each other dating and crashing and burning, and we both married the guy who was exactly. on paper. Exactly. You know, we the did. Western guy who, you know, was had the money and everything else, and I've never felt so dead in my life. And we talked about that. Yes, and I remember the night that I started writing. I was sitting in a penthouse outside of downtown Calgary, which is the oil capital of Canada, mm-hmm. and he, he was on another business trip, and he would phone to make sure I was still home and that I wasn't out enjoying myself while he was gone. So I'm sitting alone in this marble and glass mausoleum, <laughs> and this little voice in my head goes, well, I guess you've made it. You can just sit here and watch TV till the day you die. And oh, I Lord. had a, and it had an image of myself as this old, bejeweled lady in a long evening gown, sitting alone in a penthouse, getting hammered on martinis. Oh, my God, Megan, that's exactly what I saw. <laughs> Except I saw it at the country club. Yeah. And so I literally jumped up, turned off the TV, and started writing that night. It scared me so much because I thought, is this it? Is my life over? Like, I'm on the shelf with the car and the the penthouse and the job, like I was just in this glass case. And I started writing, and it ended the, the marriage, and I ended up... But the, but the passion, but the passion was the story. Right, and my passion was the end of the marriage. He, he saw me so excited about something that wasn't him. Mm-hmm. And so he, he kept hurling it at me, oh, you're after money, you're after this and that. And we actually 
got together for a very civil lunch 20 years later, and when he found out I had married a homeless black man, <laughs> out of passion, because, you know, to give listeners a, a little preamble, when I was, I went to LA. <laughs> you can't, you my, jumped in there, girl. I know. <laughs> I was in LA trying to sell my screenplays and meeting horrible people, and you met them too, right? Yes, indeed, I did. Sleazy, oh, just inauthentic people, and... I started going down to Venice Beach and buying homeless people coffee and asking what their stories were. And I got so swept up by it, I finally just put on some real nondescript clothes like I always did when I traveled alone. Because, you know, just so people know, you don't, when you travel alone, you don't make yourself a target, especially if you're a woman. So I, you know, stuffed my hair up under a hat, put on glasses, wore baggy clothes. You know, you don't put on your tightest whatever. <laughs> no, there's no, need to, there's no need to mark it. Yeah, you want to blend in. You want to just disappear to the crowd. And I went down and stayed with the homeless for a week. And the camp that took me in was run by a homeless black Vietnam vet who was a brilliant artist, and he did a painting for you, Lou, that started you writing. Exactly. So he was a genius, but he was absolutely trampled by the cutthroat society that he lived in. And when that camp took me in, I have never seen so much grace and so much compassion for each other. And, you know, if someone in the camp cleaned graffiti and was, you know, paid 20 bucks, they would immediately rush back to the rest of us and we would split, you know, split it up and buy dinner. Like they shared everything they had. And, and is that not inside the wall means inside the wall on the beach, correct? The first inside the wall is inside the wall on the beach mm-hmm. because, because it was a physical wall we hid behind from the police. And then... Um, and learned how to bury yourself in the sand. Exactly. So that I, remember, could... I remember, Megan, no, I mean, anyone who's ever seen a picture of me, imagine Megan looks like me and she's telling me that she's down there learning how to bury herself in the sand so that the police don't find them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like this. Like, okay, girl, I know you're willing to try stuff. I mean, uh, wow. <laughs> now, is that near the Hyatt? That <laughs> exactly. What? <laughs> exactly. And, but the thing that was so exciting for me was I felt alive. Like, literally, I had been in a marriage that sucked the life out of me. Mm-hmm. And all the stuff was around me, and I felt dead. And all of a sudden, I'm with people who have nothing, and I've never felt so alive in my life. It was like I literally could feel the universe cheering, like, we've got a player. You know, could you imagine if you created a video game, it was going to be the best game ever, and all everyone did was get up and go to work and go back to their home, back and forth, back and forth, and you're like, no, this game's more exciting than that. No, exactly. And, and, and there's no and question it's more exciting. Yeah. And when when I met John, the head of this camp, and he was a Vietnam vet, like he had played by the rules, and it still hadn't made a difference for him. Now, how did John end up being homeless? Because we've got like about probably 90 seconds, you know. Okay. A little, he, how did he got, become homeless? Um, brilliant artist and continually being ripped off. And this was before artists were able to copyright their work. So he was mm-hmm. constantly creating art for people and then corporations grabbing it and him not getting a penny. You know, he'd do it for like a little boutique agency and the next thing he knows it's a national campaign. And he finally thought, I've had enough. I'm going to set up a co-op art gallery for everybody. So he rented some warehouse space 
covered the walls of the newspaper, and any artist could show their stuff, and all they had to do was kick back him some money for rent. So there was no commissions off the top, no framing fees. You know, you've been in the art gallery business. Mm-hmm, right. All those off-the-top costs that meant the artist got a fraction of the sale price. So he had all these artists showing their work. He slept in a little room in the back, and then one day the real landlord shows up. Oh, no. When, and, and you know what? And on this... 15 seconds until our break. Yeah. Sorry to do this to you people, but we are going to put this on hold until after our break. <laughs> yeah. And my guest this evening is Megan Bishop-Scott, author of Inside the Wall. And when we come back, we will talk about her comment of life is a giant classroom. Please stay with us. <laughs> This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on TogiNet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Attention parents and teachers. Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less. And a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, a fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, with your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich, Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. 
tonight my guest is Megan Bishop Scott, and before the break, we did a very, you know, predictable TV thing. <laughs> Not moving to, but we did. So, Megan, say why and how John, who uh, ended up being your husband, how he became homeless. Um, he had rented warehouse space to run a, gal- a co-op art gallery, and he was diligently paying rent every month to a guy who, it turns out, was only renting the space. He wasn't the landlord. So one day the real landlord showed up, six months in arrears rent, whoever John was paying the rent to had just vanished, and the guy just kicked him out, and he said he was in such shell shock that he walked to the end of the street, and he looked left and right, and left and right, and realized he had nowhere to go, and he just sat on the curb, and a homie, you know, a homeless guy came by and took him by the hand and took him to Venice Beach. Really? And I saw that a lot. I I remember one day when we were on Venice Beach, I saw this immaculate woman in a business suit, and she had matched luggage. And I thought, oh, she's just waiting for a cab to the airport or something. And then the next morning, I saw her still there, hair a little more disheveled, and I realized she had landed. She was homeless. Same thing. She had gotten to a corner, and she didn't know where to go. Wow. Yeah, and they're the ones you take by the hand, and you start showing them where the free food is the safe place to sleep for the night, on and on. Wow. Yeah. Now, when we were on the break, I was asking you, you know, to please repeat for people, because your book is a powerful, powerful tool for people who are seekers. And I realized that what was missing, I've read, you and I both read as many spiritual books as we get our grubby little hands on. Mm -hmm. And... And I realized that a lot of people are put off from spiritual seeking because they think, oh, it's for somebody all high and mighty, not me. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, I, when I was starting to write this, I realized I couldn't write it as anything but me. And I had to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly that happened and be able to say tits, shit, <laughs> you know, whatever. Because when you're on this journey, stuff's happening. And mm-hmm. it isn't all pretty. But one of the things I loved when I first started following Yogananda's teachings. He's Self-Realization Fellowship founder. Right. And he said, a saint's a sinner who never gave up. And, you know, I remember you taking me the first time I ever went to the yeah. Self-Realization Temple was mm-hmm. with you um, and John. Yeah. And just an amazing organization. And But what I've learned, um, Yogananda was an enlightened master who set up his teachings and, or, and everything in the 20s. And Nityananda, who I'm following now, same lineage, but a young man who's 34, and as he says, each generation actually needs new teachings that are tweaked to match the society they're in. So as much as I, I, you know, I diligently followed Yogananda since the late 80s mm-hmm. and was initiated as a Kriyaban in 1994, which means, you know, I was as into that energy field and meditation as I could. Mm-hmm. But but it still wasn't quite powerful enough for this chaotic society. And so now this young man, Nityananda, is bringing in more fine-tuned teachings to handle the chaos of present day. And it worked for me. And he says when the world's going through changes, it needs new software, and I'm the latest download. And I love that. I love that explanation. It's like every generation has to have somebody who's living in that generation who can understand what they're going through. Well, precisely. I mean, we didn't go through what our parents went through. Our parents didn't go through what we went through. Why would we expect 
our children or people who are 10 or, you know, 15, 20 mm-hmm. years younger than us to be going through what we went through. It's not the same yeah. time. Exactly. And life is like a classroom. It's just the more I started to stop panicking when <laughs> so many different events happened and stood back and watched more like I was watching a movie, I started to see, like, this is this gigantic classroom, you know, and one person signs up to try starving in Africa, you know, and get the lessons from that. Somebody else signs up to be a rich man's wife and the inner turmoil and psychological stress that comes with that. Like every life situation is a specific lesson. Well, when you were first here in California, your quest was to come down. You had the job. You had the things that look like you should do. Yeah. And then like me, said, oh, my God, I'm dying inside, Yeah, and did an exit stage left. Right. And, you know, everyone's trying to fix me up with another guy who looks good on paper. <laughs> and just brutal. Like, just, you know, if I was in one more Porsche with a guy who was stepping on the gas pedal with his dick, I was going to throw up. I just <laughs> I had, had it. <laughs> and, and, oh, my God, that's such... It's sadly so true, but continue. (laughs) And so then I literally sit on the stand with this homeless black man with dreadlocks and the most soulful eyes I've seen in my life. And he started to talk to me about truth, like no bullshit, no facade, no politically correct. He just started talking to me about life in a way no one had talked to me before. And I got so excited. I thought, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for what is reality? Like, what is life? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And I, we literally sat and talked all day, and all of a sudden the sun started to go down, and I thought, oh, my God, this is my soulmate. Like, I knew it the first day I had talked to him, and then the next thought in my head was, all hell is going to break loose. <laughs> June, June, I knew you were staying with. Oh, man. You think you're going to get killed. Yeah. My family just about had heart failure back in Canada. <laughs> But, the but, thing but here's is, the thing, you, there was something inside of you that knew yeah. Megan. Yeah, and the thing that, you know, it, it, we ended up going to Helen back together. and Yourself you know, and people, John. Yes, and some yeah. people would say, well, then that couldn't have been your soulmate. Well, um, au contraire. <laughs> yes. Your soulmate is the one who helps you bust out of yourself, like, and it, whether it means hell on earth or paradise, they are the one who will push the buttons that will snap you out of your old flawed patterns. And that's what he did for me. So, But we're here to grow. We're not here to stagnate. Right. And if you're, the universe is expanding. Like my degree is in science, and I actually <laughs> studied science thinking it would explain the universe to me. And it yes. sort of did. But now Nityananda's teachings are actually based on quantum physics. And that's what I love about it is... My logical mind needs to understand the energy we're talking about. And if the universe is constantly expanding, then you have to, too. Right. Well, and, you know, we both were scientists, Megan. Right. So for me, I looked at the world as I just need to figure this out and explain to me why this is happening. Yeah. And it still didn't, it made me feel a little more comfortable, Mm -hmm. but it, there were things that, Okay, this is not making sense to me, 
Mm-hmm. But now let me go back and for for people who are listening tonight, you have to understand that this woman also comes from a lineage of people following their passion and doing things outside of <laughs> what would be considered expected behavior. And because yeah. when you first started writing, you were writing about the gold rush, correct? Gold rush. Yep. My grandfather basically <laughs> flipped off society and walked and dragged supplies up to the up to Dawson City for the Yukon Gold Rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my dad was born up there, and my dad was a wild man. And his family only left Dawson and came down to Vancouver because they realized otherwise he would never fit into society because... As um, you know, they wrote about the all the Klondikers were the men that don't fit in. Robert W. Service, the poet, talked about how people who sort of go on these quests are the ones that don't fit in. And I realized when I landed on Venice Beach, I'd sort of done the same thing. I'd turned my back on society and thought, I can't play by your rules because they make no sense to me. Well, you know, also, your grandmother, part of her story was, you know, here are these people who people think, you know, here's the thing about life. Uh, we can expect change, but sometimes the change is a little more than we might have expected, but it is, it, is, it is exactly where you need to be. Yeah, and my grandmother was in very proper Victoria society, which is like England, out on the coast of yes. Canada. And nursing student, this is back in 1907, and she was walking home from her shift one night, which would have been a very safe thing in Victoria at that time, but apparently she had Canada's first docker. <laughs> yeah, right. And he followed her home that night, shot her several times, got out a scalpel, slit her face open until it was unrecognizable, slit her neck, then slit his neck, and he dropped dead at her feet, and she held her neck together and walked back to the hospital. And when I was researching to find out exactly what happened, I found the old newspaper clippings, and it was front page in Victoria. It was a scandal of the century for weeks. And she became that marked woman, literally, like physically marked. Her whole face was demolished and scarred, but also psychologically. So the nuns who ran the hospital also ran the hospital in Dawson up in the Yukon, and they said, we can't get anyone to go up there because it's all whores and minors. It's a wild wild town but they said everyone's scarred up there so this 21 year old nursing student went up to Dawson and within weeks of her starting at the hospital my grandfather shows up and his hand had been pulled off in a dredging accident Mm -hmm. and they met and fell in love and I found that such a powerful journey because they met because of their scars like they would not have found each other if they hadn't gone through the maiming that they each did. And mm-hmm. they had an amazing love affair. So you don't know you don't know how things are going to work out. The soulmate is not, you know, unicorns and rainbows and everyone skipping oh, through a meadow. Oh, for God's sakes, no. And we know that your soulmate is there to have you grow. And I think if anyone gets that, your passion is there to have you grow. Your intuition yep. is there to have you grow, and your soulmate is there to have you grow. Not to have things be nicey-nicey. Okay, it's kind of, okay, it's a lovely occasion to get a glass of champagne. 
spot. Right. Okay, exactly. Now, we're coming to our, our half-show break. <laughs> My guest is Megan Bishop-Scott. Her book is Inside the Wall. Please stay with us. We will be right back after this break. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management, the holistic approach. How the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Megan Bishop-Scott. And anyone who would like to call in, the 800 number is 877-864-4869. And we, again, I'll repeat that, 877-864-4869. Just before the break, we were talking about that the passion of people following things and doing things outside of the societal norm is something that very much happened in Megan's family. And the power of the love story between her grandmother and her grandfather. And... I knew that story, but I was asking Megan just before we came back on, did you meet your grandmother? And she said, "You go ahead, Megan. Boom. Yeah, luckily, um, my, when my grandfather and grandmother met, grandmother was 
21, a nursing student, but my grandfather was 40. He'd been up in the wilds of the gold rush for a long, long time and probably thought he would never find his true love and ever marry. And my my dad was their only child. But uh, because he was older, he did die first. And my grandmother came down to Calgary uh, to live with us when I was a little kid. And she taught me so much because I realized that when you can choose how the situations in life affect you. And she had taken all of these intense happenings in her life and she had allowed them to just buff her into a diamond. Mm-hmm. So she was the happiest, lightest soul I've ever met. And I remember sitting in her bedroom and she thought stampede wrestling was the funniest thing she'd ever seen. And we would sit there and she would laugh till she cried. And this is someone who had her life attacked. She had lived in, you know, as close to the North Pole as you can almost get. She had seen intense hardship and now life was funny. And I realized she'd come to the same realization I did as a result of all the things that happened to me is you start seeing it as a game. You literally don't take it so hard anymore. Well, you, in all, I mean, from the time I've ever known you, you've always laughed at things. Right. I mean, it is something that you go like this, can you believe this? <laughs> and then you go, I can't believe this. Okay. Well, I mean, that's just absurd. Well, <laughs> but the gentleness that she had is similar. Is that not similar to the gentleness that John had? It is. And he, you know, he was a Vietnam vet. He had been hammered by life. He had, you know, he had seen intense chaos being homeless for two years. And it was interesting because the man who was his best friend, his name is Issa, and that's who we named our son after. Mm-hmm. And he was a poet. And when I showed up on the beach, he said to me, he's been waiting for you. He kept telling people a woman from another country is going to show up and take me off this beach. And that's what Issa told him. No, that's what John told Issa. Oh, that's what John told Issa. Yeah. Ah. He said, he's been waiting for you. And so he had this intense feeling that something was going to happen and that he was being held in place mm-hmm. to meet me. Now, which, tell people, give them the synopsis of you and John meet, you move to Encinitas area, mm-hmm. you then are pregnant with Isa, yep. and, and take, then, it, take it from there. Well, it just, I have an intense fear of hospitals. I'd had a lot of, I spent a lot of time in hospitals as a child, and I was terrified of them. And some of the birthing books I read talked about how if the the mother is in fear, that's when you get complications in delivering a baby. And they said that the safest thing you can do for a good delivery is to keep the mother happy, peaceful, you know, not stressed. And I realized the only way that was going to happen for me is if I home birthed. Mm-hmm. And I started interviewing midwives, and a whole parade of Fruit Loops <laughs> showed up. And <laughs> I and I know there's great midwives out there, but apparently the doulas and midwives, when they're yeah. well trained and they're fabulous, they're like a godsend. Exactly. And but it wasn't for me, and that's what I realized too. Is you don't have to get mad at situations like why isn't this happening? It was very clear that existence, source, God, whatever you want to call it, had something else in mind for me, and mm-hmm. so it just it came to me. You know what? We can do this on our own. And John had taking care of so many dying homeless people that 
I knew he was he had rock solid nerves and that he could help me deliver. And I just you know you and I were both in sports forever, and right. so I know how, I know how to go into training. And I just got every book I could. I read all Birth Without Violence, Home Birthing, Birth Reborn. Um, I did some Jane Fonda yoga. Like I just I went into training and I read the the sort of medical side of what we needed to have handy and how to do it and how you tie off the umbilical and deliver the placenta. Like I was ready. And when I went into labor, it was the summer solstice, and this amazing blanket of grace settled on our... We were in a little one-room beach cabin in Lucadia. Oh, well, yeah, well, I remember, honey. Yeah, and it just was magical. Like, we had beautiful music playing, and they say you should deliver children in the same love that they were conceived in. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened, and nothing went wrong I didn't even tear. I didn't need stitches. It was this, and I, I had been cranking up my meditation practice so that I wouldn't unravel and, you know, start freaking out halfway through. And it was just the most amazing event. I can't even stress how much I encourage women to do this. Like, you don't have to do it alone. Get a, a qualified midwifer uh, to help you, but doing it at home where you're comfortable and you feel safe. And, you know, as soon as Issa was born, John made us a beautiful dinner. We sat there watching the sunset. Like, it was just an astonishing event. And it, they, I had read that women going to the edge and back during labor, if they do it without drugs, it's similar to a shamanic initiation. Because I remember you telling me that John, you know, was behind you, and you're like, okay, what's going on? And and <laughs> I remember you telling me. <laughs> well, you know, sort of as after many, many hours had passed, I'm like, can't you see anything? Because <laughs> my water had broken hours before, and I'm like, right? something has to have happened by now, and... And, you know, Mr. Artist gets on his spectacles and starts sketching. And he sketches he this, like, heavy cross-hatching. And he's, he's like, I think it's like a membrane or something. I said, it can't be a membrane. You know, my water broke. Well, it turns out it was this thick mass of hair that Issa had. He had thick black hair. And and John didn't realize he was looking at the top of this kid's head. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, there was this pop, and he crowned. So finally, the top of the head came through. Mm-hmm. And then the next push, all of a sudden, it sort of cranked around, and this he very lovingly described it as this Frankenstein face was suddenly facing him. First <laughs> <laughs> purple, you know, yeah, just not pretty. But then the next push flew out, and, you know, boom, we had a kid. It was just... And then there he was. And there he was. And <laughs> but I remember you also telling me, Megan, that you had a problem when you were first going across the border because they said you don't have a birth certificate from a doctor, and you said it was a home delivery, and they said, how do you prove it? And you went, I'm nursing the child. <laughs> well, and we ended up having to go get uh, testimonials from most of the neighborhood. Who said that you had been pregnant. They saw me pregnant, then they, and you know, luckily, John was so excited that when Issa was, like, it was the next morning, so Issa was not even 12 hours old, and John bundled up and heads out in the neighborhood to show him off to everyone. And people were going, oh, my God, how old's that baby? And he's like, 12 hours, and they're like, oh! <laughs> you know, but a beach town, 
you know, it's just so relaxed, so easy. And But thank God he did, because everyone said, I saw that kid when he was only an hour old. Mm-hmm. Or of the date. Yeah. When he when he was when he was brand new. Brand so, new. Brand new. So here you have your life with John. And I remember I would come down regularly yeah. to see you guys and you know, spend a weekend to see you, what was happening and just it was so lovely and tranquil. I mean Lucadia is a beautiful, beautiful yeah. little town. And then things started shifting and changing for you. Well, it's interesting because a, a Jungian psychologist that I met a couple of years later when we were talking about what happened with John, and he said, um, first thing, he said, the borderline between genius and insanity in an artist is a very fine line. And John's art was so brilliant that, you know... I mean, I, I, wonder... I, love, his, I love his piece on the cover of Inside the Wall. That is absolutely exquisite. Right, and that was from a vision he had when our son was born, and so it was the last thing he ever painted. And um, the, and but the other thing this analyst said was for children who've been abused, which John was beaten by his dad. That's how his dad thought you raised a kid. Mm-hmm. To toe the line, and he said for someone who's been abused as a child, having a child and becoming a father means you become what you hate. If you've hated your father, now you're a father. And he said. Having a child is, gives you the chance to heal or sail off the cliff, and unfortunately, it, it turns out John sailed and became quite insane and tried to kill us. And which is and in the book. It's in the book, and that's what I mean about soulmates: is they will take you to the full gamut of emotions. And what I realized the lesson was was to learn absolute forgiveness, like. Mm-hmm. This guy, you know, my son and I wound up homeless. You know, here I am on the street with a baby. I couldn't return to Canada because you have to have the other parent's consent to travel right. with a child. And couldn't find John. And when he did show up, he was trying to kill us. So I was being held in place, and I realize now it was perfect because existence wanted to show me what it could do for me. And the only way existence can do that for you is when you surrender. And so literally I was in an abandoned motel room one night with my baby in a box with the rain pouring in under the door, and I finally just said, God, if you're out there, I give up. I don't know how I got here, and I don't know how to make it stop. Mm-hmm. And the next day, everything shifted. Like, it's the most miraculous thing I had witnessed in my life. Now, and, and we have 15 seconds until our prayer. <laughs> through this stuff, Megan? Yeah. And you kept saying, it is going to work. Everything is going to be fine. My guest this evening is Megan Bishop-Scott. When we come back, we will complete what happened when she said, God, knock on the door. Come on. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Attention parents and teachers. 
Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less, and a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, a fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, with your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich, Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Wondering how to market, where to invest, where to advertise, where to find the right advice, or what to do about taxes? Doing business today is a complex venture, and that's where All Biz Talk comes in. All Biz Talk helps businesses and individuals find the right path to their success and learn more about the ideas, products, and services used by today's top professionals. Success leaves clues, so if you want to be successful, it's always best to listen to the people who have already been where you want to be. Our hosts are unbiased and will ask the hard questions, taking your calls to help connect you with the right professionals, people who can help you get a better handle on your personal and business choices. All Biz Talk is not a financial services company and does not offer any financial advice, but we will help you make the right choice when it comes to planning your financial future. Join All Biz Talk Tuesday afternoons at 1 Pacific, 3 Central at allbiztalk.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Megan Bishop-Scott, and before uh, the break, we were talking on... Go, Megan. What what was the part you were finishing with? Oh, basically, I um, was finally homeless with a baby in an abandoned motel room. And And said, God, please come in. I said, if you're out there, help. I don't know how to make this stop. And I had always been afraid of, you know, I was suspicious of cults and extreme religions and, you know, people who surrender to God. I thought, oh, they just become these robotic whatevers. And what I realized was the way I was making decisions in life was not working. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how odd that is. (laughs) How odd. And what finally hit me was here was this gentle soul that had created me and wanted me to play the best game ever and was just refusing help. And, you know, it's it's like anyone watching a kid and going, if you just let me, you know, stop running into the wall. If you let me just move you to the right three inches, you can walk through the doorway. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you are giving up your life. It's that you're finally letting a higher intelligence help you make the decisions to play the game you signed up for. Like everyone doesn't come in for the same game. Some people, you know, want to be monks. Some people want to get married and have kids. Some people just want to have a grand life. And all of those lives are perfect. And if you align yourself with 
the one that created you, then it just goes easier. You know, because you, one, because you because you are part of it. Exactly. And one analogy that came to me once when I was meditating, it's like we're all on this whitewater rafting trip. But mm-hmm. when you're aligned with higher source by meditating is one of the first tools, mm-hmm. you're actually in the boat on the whitewater rafting trip. Right. So if you don't align yourself with a higher energy, then you're in the water, in the rapids, crashing into rocks. Like we're all on the same journey, but it's a lot easier in the boat. Right. Yeah. You don't. You don't have to go from California to Hawaii via Russia. Just go from California to Hawaii. Yeah. Right. And Direct. you know. And the other thing that hit me was, it is a game, and everyone's supposed to be doing unique journeys. Everyone's supposed to be coming up with their own grand adventure and then living it the best they can. And so when I finally started searching and realizing that the ones that win these games are called avatars. Um, some didn't people, you find it a term called Sida? Siddhas, the S-I-D-D-H-A, and it's mm-hmm. a very ancient lineage and tradition of you know spiritual seekers who were so aligned with cosmic energy, so able to understand the quantum physics of reality, that they were the ones who had so-called miraculous powers. And mm-hmm. they're only miraculous because we don't understand how they could levitate, how they could have two bodies at the same time, how they could manifest things. And it was sort of a dying, hidden lineage. And then this young um, avatar in India, his name's Paramahamsa Nityananda, and his name means eternal bliss because his mission is to remind everyone you are capable of living blissful lives. They don't have to be so hard. And uh, he is reviving the Siddha tradition. So when I went to India and met him... When you, when you, and, and now this is to remind people... Isa and you have, things have ended with John, things have finished your, moved yeah. back up to Calgary. Canada. And then just did the working stiff life. Like I, luckily I now had a strong meditation practice I'd learned through Self-Realization Fellowship. And what I'd learned is by meditating every morning and every night, even if it was just 10 minutes, I, I removed the ability of assholes to ruin my day. <laughs> Perfect. It's all it does is you literally throw down the gauntlet and tell the universe we're doing it my way. And when you meditate, you set the intention that the day is going to run the way you want to play the game, not the way every fruit loop in the neighborhood wants to come in and mess with it. And so by mm-hmm. diligently meditating, I managed to pull off being a single mom, ended up with an amazingly great kid. And I taught him to meditate when he was three, so he was never a problem teenager. I mean, this is a kid who was missing a father, had seen intense violence at a young age. And now, like one of my big writing contracts is I write life histories for foster kids who who have been traumatized as young people. And the problems they have, because they've never been taught to meditate and self-soothe, are immense. And I'm so grateful every time I start another file and realize what my kid avoided because he knew how to meditate. You know what? i got to tell you, a friend of mine, Lois Lee, started a thing called Children of the Night, and mm. she uses yeah. the meditation you know, that she has learned with David yeah. Lynch. And another friend of mine, Laura Lee Hughes, created mm-hmm. a group called The Unusual Suspects, yeah. both of which work with Children of the Night are literally the throwaway kids who yeah. were the, the kids who the young girls who are the underage prostitutes. 
unusual suspects are the incarcerated kids who do um, things within the area of theatrics and writing scripts, but for them to be able to write their own life. Megan, I want to have you, you know, be in touch with both of these people. I would love to because I've been asked to meditate with some of these foster kids up here. And I just sat and these are tough kids, and I'd sit down and I'd say, when I was homeless, and boom, I had them because they knew I wasn't some preacher. I had been on the street. And I said to them, most kids come in at a lower level in the game. They come in where it's safe and they got stuff and there's no challenges. And I said, do you realize that you have already started playing the game at a higher level than most adults? And I said, so the odds of you winning are higher. And these kids just light up. They go. You give, you give them such powerful validation. Yeah, and I teach them to meditate, and they are there. Like, they connect so quickly that with that high frequency because they've already started stripping off the veneer. They've confronted fears. They've confronted demons. You know, they've seen the underbelly. And what I, Absolutely. What I've experienced is the lower you allow yourself to fall, the higher you soar. And if you just live your life in neutral, on a safe path, sort of, you know, sliding through the middle, you will never experience profound bliss. Now, what I'd, if, if I can have people, because your name is pretty easy to spell, Megan Bishop Scott, and it's M-E-G-A-N, Bishop-Scott. Right. Bishop-Scott, yeah. Hyphen-Scott. Now, for um, Paramahansa Nithyanda, I'm going to massacre yeah. his name. Can you do, <laughs> very close. Thank you. Can you do a post to Facebook or something so that people who are listening to this can follow him and look at the, you know, the cover of your book? Because I have to tell you, the cover of your book brings you in. Because you, here's the thing, people have to know, you have done this phenomenal journey. You are now working with this avatar in India. You are now bringing this work back and forth between the two. Mm-hmm. Your son has become phenomenal. You are, you know, you were just still, every time you and I talk, you're going to another level. And I'm so right. proud of you because you have been my, <laughs> honest to God, you've been my role model for a lot of stuff in this area because I came from the same place. I had no exposure to it until you told me about some of this. And that's what's sad in the West is like in ancient times, the, just to give people a, um, a little background, like there's a Nityananda Vedic temple just outside of L.A. and mm-hmm. they're, they're spread all over the U.S. I have but, posted that. Mm-hmm. But also, if you go on YouTube and put in Life Bliss Foundation, so Life Bliss Foundation, all his talks are free on YouTube. There's thousands of them. You can type in anti-aging, you know, stress-free living, whatever, and it'll bring up a talk for you. But, um, oh, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> but where, but where, now, if people were going to be, want to be in contact with, um, Paramahansa, is it through this, and then they can be on a streaming something? Or oh, uh, yeah, Nityananda TV. So N I T H Y A N A N D A dot TV is live streaming every night. So actually, it's on right now. The they're doing the um, there's a ceremony of offering gratitude that's going mm-hmm. on right now, and he'll be talking probably in about 15 minutes. He speaks live every night from India. It's mm-hmm. free. You just go onto the website and it streams. And sometimes it's hit and miss because the India power grid is wacky. Well, that happens. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, so don't get upset if it cuts in and out because that happens. But he he talks every night, and he's just trying to raise the consciousness of the planet as fast as he can. Right, and he has to have the attitude, I don't want to be the same way that the others were who were older because they're not going to. you got to show people some of the bells and whistles. Yeah. Otherwise, now talk about what you said about earlier. You talked well, about levitation and stuff. He, he's, uh, when I was in front of him in India, he had people starting to levitate, manifest things, and he just brought us off a 20-day hunger-free meditation. He's literally awaking the biomemory to remind the body how to just create nutrition from the ethers. And so we, he's very diligent because he's got scientists studying him to see how he's doing this. We did two days um, without eating, and it was because he had our energy so high you didn't feel hungry. And, and he warned us. He said, if you feel hungry, it hasn't connected with you, so just start eating again. But we did two days, then we ate then we did seven days, then eight for a day, and then we did 11 days. So 20 days all told, and I just have energy to burn. And this is what he's bringing to the public. He said, you want to end world hunger, just raise everybody's frequency, and then they don't need well, food. You know what, right, and, and, but our, our vibration is something that we come in with, yeah. and it's the thing that by which... Excuse me, it's the thing that drives everything. So what's right. the thing again? How do you spell the Nithyanda TV again? So N-I-T-H-Y-A, mm-hmm. then N-A-N-D-A. Nithyanda. Yeah. TV? TV, like t- like a television station. TV.com. Nope, Nithyanda.tv. Oh, .tv. Oh, that's yeah. very helpful. Yeah. There we go. Okay. And now, it's on every night, and then they take recordings of that and just, you know, fine-tune them, and they put them up on YouTube. So YouTube slash Life Bliss Foundation has ton- thousands of hours of his talks. Okay. What? We have 30 seconds. Oh. I want people to know that this woman literally introduced me and walked me into some of the spiritual things and some of the things about myself and my source I never would have known. Megan, I thank you so much. And any, listen, people, I read books all the time. <laughs> this book, I have to tell you, I've, I've read parts of it. Inside the Wall will change your life on how you look at where you are focusing and what your passion is. Megan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> okay, honey. And love you. I'm going to give you a call in the next day, okay? Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Big hack. Bye-bye. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget. 